The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Let's just pray before we start. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before your throne to ask, Lord, for the glory of your presence to fill this place. Lord, we haven't come to church just to come to a building. We've come to meet with you. And Father, we're praying, let your presence, let the glory of your presence, the knowledge of your presence, the knowledge of your goodness and your love be made known to our hearts. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Have freedom to work in our lives, to open our hearts to you, to bring revelation, wisdom, and understanding of the knowledge of God to us, that we, Lord, may exalt you and magnify you and glorify you and give thanks to you, for you truly are worthy of praise. You are worthy of adoration. You are worthy of glory. You are worthy of honor. You are worthy to be lifted up, to be magnified, to be worshipped. Your great name is to be made known. For you alone are the uncreated one, the great and mighty God, the everlasting Father. You alone are the one that we need, Lord. We need you in our lives. So please, make your glory known. Open our lives to you, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're coming to the time of the end of this Out of Africa season where I've been sharing some of the things that I learned when I myself went out to Uganda. I've been trying to express them to you. It wasn't possible just to do that in one week, but I've been trying to unpack some things. Sometimes there's been some resistance to that unpacking, as we know, but we're going to focus a little bit more this morning. During this time, we've been looking at the fact that we as Christians are in the army of God. And if you remember a couple of times I was wearing that army uniform to try to re-emphasize that to us, the fact that we are in God's army and that we are fighting against God's enemy, the devil. That's what we're fighting against. Last week we saw the fact that we have armor. Ephesians 6 verses 10 and 11 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, speaking to us as Christians, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on... Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So having heard that, and maybe having read it or reread it, or even just hearing it again this morning, we need to make sure that we are using the weapons that have been given to us and that we are putting on the armor that helps to protect us. Now last week I was just about to start this point when we had a few challenges but we want to come and talk about a practical example of us confronting doubt, coming against doubt. And what do I mean when I say coming against doubt? One of the ways that the enemy fights against us, every one of us, is to confuse us with doubt, to confuse our thinking. For instance, there you are, you're thinking about God. Even this morning as we've been going through communion, you're thinking about God, you're worshipping God, and you're, you're having thoughts of God, and yet suddenly it seems like out of nowhere... Out of nowhere, somewhere in the back of your mind, or you're not even sure where it is, are you sure? Are you sure God's real? Where did that come from? 
It's almost like it comes against you. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about. So you're just thinking about God and suddenly, can you really believe that? Are you certain? Can you prove that? Are you sure that that's true? Suddenly these thoughts can come to you. And, and don't look at me as if I'm the only one, please. Okay. They come to us. These are the sorts of things we experience. And the reason that we talk about them, or the reason that I'm talking about them, is to show you, you are not the only one either. The enemy is real. And he wants to upset us and disturb us and to throw us off our course. And so we do find that these thoughts come against us. Are you certain God is real? Are you sure you're not just making it up? You see, those things come into our hearts. We need to continually remember this. What it says in Ephesians 6 verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are fighting against spiritual authorities, whether we realize it or not. So let's look at fighting doubts. Fighting doubts. How do we go about fighting the doubts that come against us? We need to understand that when we say we're fighting against, it's like we are fighting against a person. We're resisting a person. I don't know how many of you are rugby fans or have switched on the TV to watch the Six Nations that has been going on. And there's been some great matches to have watched. But whether you really understand about rugby or not... Perhaps if you've just seen it or you've switched it on or even if you've seen a few minutes, you soon pick up the idea that there's one side that have got the ball and obviously it's an odd-shaped ball. We won't go into any of that. They've got the ball, they're running with it and then there's this whole group on the other side and they're spending all their energy to stop that person from moving. They will tackle them. They'll bring them to the ground. Somebody will struggle up and they'll throw the ball to somebody else and then they'll go after that person. There's a constant battle being worked out in front of you. You see it. And what you see is those great big guys, they're standing there and they come. They're there. I mean, I broke my watch nearly. They're, they're there to stop and to resist the advancement of the team with the ball trying to get to a try. Now, that's very physical. Some people really enjoy that physicality about it. Some people enjoy the, the tactics they use. But whatever, when you see a game like that, you understand that there is resistance that is being bought against the person who's got the ball. And that's just a picture to get in our minds. That's the type of thing that we need to get inside of us. We are resisting doubt. It doesn't mean to say like, oh, you know, slim to get by. We're going after it. We're getting a tackle against doubt. We are bringing doubt down. It's not going to advance against us. It's very physical. There's an idea that we are resisting something. We're coming against something. Otherwise, you know what? Those thoughts, they just come into our mind and they can overtake us to the point where we feel so confused we just let the whole thing go. Doubt wants to have authority over us, but we need to stand up against it. We need to understand that we have to stand firm against spiritual forces. Just as it were, we are fighting in rugby or we're playing rugby. We're bringing the enemy down. Doubt is, if you like, on the opposing side. Doubt is coming against us. It stands against us. It resists us. It attacks us. It annoys us. It shakes us. It wears us down. It worries us. It oppresses us. Do you see how it's coming from all different directions? This is what it does. And we need to learn to stand up against it. 
So how can we strengthen ourselves against doubt? Well, primarily, we need to make sure that we are anchored in God. We want to get ourselves rooted in Him, firm in Him. And in one sense, when I say we want to be anchored in God, it is a sense in which we want to take hold of truth, that belt of truth that is part of the armor. We want to take hold of truth and make sure we're holding on to it, that we've got a good grip of it, that it's firm in our hands. We want to be anchored in God. Remember what Paul said about the weapons that we have. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power for the demolishing of strongholds. Our weapons are mighty in God. We have power with the weapons that we have to demolish strongholds. Paul went on to inform us in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, we demolish arguments... And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. You know, in the New King James Version, it reads like this, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And you get the understanding. What it's saying is there are things like doubt. It comes against us. What is it seeking to do? It's seeking to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. We're trying to get hold of God. We're trying to serve God. We're trying to love God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our understanding, with all of our strength. We're trying to give ourselves to God. And yet we find that these thoughts are coming against us and they're seeking to raise themselves up above the knowledge of God. Satan is just trying to get one little bit higher. He's trying to get control of the things that God has. We've got to stand against it. That's what our weapons are. But our weapons are mighty through God for the demolishing of strongholds. We have powerful weapons. We have the most powerful weapons. And therefore, we want to cast down every high thing that exalts itself up against the God that we serve. The spirit of doubt seeks to set things up in our minds against the knowledge of God. God is good, we say. And then suddenly the thought comes, are you sure? You see, it comes in all the time to combat us and to throw us off. So to help us, we need to reflect back upon who God is. That's being anchored in God. We need to come back and we need to look at God. We need to, to see Him. And one of the best ways for us to do this is to reflect upon creation itself. And when looking at creation, we need to see, and I've got three points here. But we need to see this first of all. Creation needs a creator. Creation needs a creator. Creation has not always been. Even those people who do not believe in God, they talk about how old the earth is. In other words, they're identifying it had a beginning. Creation has a beginning. The Bible teaches this. It is by faith, Hebrews 11 verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. So actually the Bible tells us, listen, everything has come through the power of God's word. He has spoken and it has just come to pass. He didn't actually need to get together a whole lot of materials. Now it takes faith. Well, are you sure? You see, <laughs> that can come straight into your mind. This is what truth is and it's telling us that this is how God formed the universe. Now, by all means, they're like, I'm not sure how he did that. 
I'm not sure how he did it either. But I know this, that God is God. And he is able to do far abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine. He is able to do these things. So the Bible actually, when we pick up the Bible and read it right from the very beginning, the first verses of Genesis chapter 1 say this, In the beginning, God. The Bible itself is actually starting off with the fact of there is one who is uncreated. In the beginning, before there was anything that you can think of, there was God. That's where the Bible itself starts from. God is the only uncreated one, and through him and for him has everything else been made. He has called all things into existence. Romans 1 verse 20 says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. It's a scripture that I bring myself back to because the Bible itself is telling me, listen, Jonathan, you haven't got any excuses for saying there is no God because the evidence is all around you. And I say that and I think to myself, that's what the Bible says, but what is it that hinders me from seeing that and understanding that? And you soon realize we are in the midst of a battle. Doubts is one of those things that comes to our mind to seek to hold us down, to stop us getting to the trilight, to get us, stop us getting to the end, to stop us winning the prize. It wants to hinder and prevent us. And yet God says, evidence for me is all around. The Bible also says in Psalm 19, the first four verses, it says, the heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. You go out on a clear night, and I guess it's because it's going to be cold this week, there will be some cold nights. Go out on a clear, cold night and look up at the stars. Who has created all of these? The trouble is we don't go out often enough and have our minds blown with the enormity of what God has done. The evidence for God is all around. Mankind is without excuse but we find ourselves fighting another battle when there's a lot of doubt coming in our minds. Can you be sure? Are you certain that God's real? Hey, because the enemy wants to keep us away from the knowledge of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. So when it says that they're speaking, it's not as though they're actually speaking, but it's as though they are speaking. There's no words coming, but you need to take into account all of this. We need to think about these things to help us be anchored in God. Creation itself declares that God is real. Creation needs a creator. Creation needs a creator. Secondly, laws need a lawgiver. Laws need a lawgiver. We know that the universe is governed by various laws, the sorts of things that you were taught at in school. Do you remember in your physics lessons? 
the rectilinear propagation of light. Light travels in straight lines. These are laws. And physics is a great example where you're taught all sorts of laws. Gravity. You're taught about the laws of gravity. And there's all sorts of mathematics that goes to show about the laws of gravity. What about the laws of electromagnetics? There's all laws that surround that. In physics, maths, there's all sorts of laws. These laws haven't just evolved. Somebody says, oh, let's make it up. These laws have always been. They have been there ever since the creation of the world because laws need a lawgiver. Somebody has had to establish those things. You get people talking about the existence of the earth. Listen, everything came together and all these molecules came together and they were in a box and the box got shaken around and out came this. I'm sorry, I can't go with that. Creation needs a creator. Laws need a lawgiver. And all of the laws that you had to learn about in physics, whether you understood them, or perhaps like me, didn't quite understand all of them, I certainly didn't understand the maths that went alongside all of them, those laws are there, and they have always been there, and it needs a lawgiver. But it's not just the laws of physics that we're talking about. It's the laws of morality. You see, you know... You know when you've done something wrong. You feel it in your heart. They say, well, how come you know? Because you see, a written upon your heart is a code of morality that has been put there by God. We were created in his image and in his likeness. And some of his likeness, his goodness, is actually imparted to us. And so when we depart from that which has been written inside of us, suddenly we feel something coming across. This is not right. Now, I know that if we walk continually in a way of doing wrong, then the Bible talks about the fact that our hearts can be unhardened. You know what it's like if you wear a pair of shoes and they don't quite fit and the heel perhaps is constantly being rubbed. What you'll find is you'll get an area of hard skin that forms on the heel to protect your heel. And there's a sort of sense in which if we continue to operate in a way which we know that God doesn't want us to operate in, our hearts like that skin, become hardened. It gets thicker, more resistant, less able to sense things. That's what the heel does, and that's the whole idea of the skin getting thicker. But that's what can happen to our hearts. We're less able to feel things, and we're less able. So, of course, there are people who continue in sin, and they seem well, they don't seem to notice it anymore. But nevertheless, I know for every single one of us, there have been moments in our lives when you have done something and you know without anybody telling you, that was not right. That's because laws have a lawgiver. And that's because things that are written on your heart have been written there by God. Creation needs a creator. Laws need a lawgiver. Design needs a designer. I don't know whether many of you have heard about Harry Beck. Harry Beck is the man who actually organized the London Tube Network map. I love that map. I love its colors. I love the way that it all holds together. It just, I, I, if I'm on a tube train, I like looking at the map. Bit boring, I know, but that's just it. I, I like the underground system, and I like that map. Harry Beck is therefore a fan of mine because he came up with the whole idea of designing it. And he just said, oh, we designed it. Okay, fine, whatever, we, we want to use it. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, we, we forget about the fact that things do take design. 
Because here's this man, he's got this whole... How do we get the complex understanding of all of these different stations and how they're interconnected and how can we make that in a way that people can just look at it and understand how it holds together and therefore get around? Now, okay, first time using the underground might be a little bit confusing, I admit to that. Not as confusing as using the New York subway system, I would say. But nevertheless, I can understand it can be a bit confusing. But here is a guy who took the concept that the places are all different all over the place, and he's put it into a structure and a form that becomes, hopefully, easily understandable. And it is easily understandable because so many people use our underground system. Clever design needs a designer. And Harry Beck, when he did it, he didn't take into account the distance between stations. He He's overlooked that, because if the design was all showing all the distances, you wouldn't be able to have it as concise and as constructed as the actual tube map is. He had to use design to bring something about so that people could understand clearly what is going on. And you know what? When we look at our world, and if we take time to look at our world, we can see the hand of a designer upon it. Whether, it, whether we're looking at human beings and the complexity and difference of human beings and how they're so wonderfully made, or whether we're looking at sea creatures or animals or insects, we're seeing their amazing beauty, their different colors, their stunning capabilities. When we see all of this wonderful design, we must understand that design needs a designer. God is behind it all. God is real. The Bible tells us there is evidence for him all around us. Creation needs a creator. Laws need a lawgiver. Clever design needs a designer. We need to make sure that we are anchoring ourselves in God. Even doing that or even saying that, it's not just a walk in the park to do that. We have to give ourselves to it. It takes effort. We need to remember that we are fighting battles. We need to remember that the enemy is against us. A scripture that helps me on these things is Proverbs 2, verse 1 to 5. It says this, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver, and search for it as for hidden treasure, then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Now, Proverbs were written by Solomon, and Solomon was bestowed with wisdom, which he's passed on to us. But you know what? I read this sometimes, not just as Solomon speaking, but as though God is speaking. God is saying, my son, my daughter, if you would accept my word, if you would accept my word, do you accept God's word? Or do you reject God's word? Or are you putting God's word under the microscope? And are you asking lots of questions? Are you sure this is true? God's word is eternal. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. And God says to us, we need to accept his word. And sometimes I come back to myself and I say, do I accept his word? Do I accept what the Bible says, that in the beginning is God, and that God created? Do I accept that, or is my mind coming against it? Am I finding, actually, that the warfare is started already, without me even thinking about it or realizing it? There's a great thing that rises up within me that says, are you sure? 
Because you see, the spirit of doubt comes against us. And we have to learn to stand up and fight against it. What this scripture says in uh, Proverbs is this, accept my words. God's word is truth. Jesus, when he's praying in John 17, he says, your word is truth. God's word is truth. God's word is steadfast and unchanging. As I've said, heaven and earth may pass away, but it says, but my word will never pass away. That makes it eternal. This word of God is eternal. And you know what? God says, I do not change. So when he says it's eternal, and when he says it's truthful, he doesn't change his mind. It's not like, oh, I got that wrong. Sorry. I, the Lord, do not change. I remain steadfast. I can be trusted, is what he is saying. The word is powerful. Hebrews says it's living and active. Is living and active. The word is illuminating. Because it says, my word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. It illuminates our life. It gives us the, the ability to see where we're going and to know where we're going. And the word of God is necessary for life. Man shall not live on bread only, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Our job is not just to know what the word is. Our job is to accept. Will you accept my word? My son, if you accept my words. My daughter, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you. We need to get hold of what God has said. It's not just we're saying that creation has a creator. We need to take hold of it and make it our own. Why? Because there is an enemy who is opposed to you. Go back to the picture of that rugby match. The opposing team want to get that ball off you and they want to try and win. But we've got to stand against them. It takes opposition. It takes strength for us. And not only do we want to store up, even Psalms says this, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. How can a young man or a young woman keep their way pure by guarding it according to your word? Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God, we need to get it into us. God wants his people to be secure in him. God wants his people to be able to rise up against doubt and to put doubt in its place. Doubt, you have no authority over my life. I disconnect myself from you. I reject you and everything you bring. I am holding on to the word of God. I am believing this truth. I am standing on this truth because it is everlasting. I am receiving this in the name of Jesus. We have to stand and to take our fight. It reminds me, you know what, of blind Bartimaeus. If you read in the Bible, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, there's a story of a blind man. His name is Bartimaeus. He can't see, obviously. That's why they say he's blind. And he's by the roadside and he's begging. But he can hear. And he hears that Jesus is coming. And when he hears that Jesus is coming, and obviously he can hear that the crowd is getting nearer, so he's aware of the fact that this man, Jesus, is getting nearer, what does blind Bartimaeus do? He yells out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Why? Because he wants Jesus. Because he believes that Jesus can change him. And so, to the embarrassment of those around him, be quiet, shush, who are you? 
But Bartimaeus will not stop. Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. If you accept my words, store up my commands within you. If you cry aloud, it says turning your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. Bartimaeus cried out, I want to have Jesus. I need Jesus. I need the healing that he can bring. And when Jesus came to him, he said to Bartimaeus, what is it you want me to do for you? And he just simply said, Lord, I want to see. I call out to God and I say, God, I want you to help me to understand the reality of you. I want to help me to be anchored in you. I want to resist the spirit of doubt. I want to come against everything that comes against my mind. I want to stand firm for your purposes. I want to believe in you. I want to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish in me and through me. That is what we need to do. And you know what Proverbs says? It says, if you look for it as for silver, searching for it as for hidden treasure, it says, then, 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 then you will understand the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what the Bible says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Folks, all of us, all of us, we're in the midst of a battle. Doubt wants to come against us. Doubt wants to hold us back. Doubt wants to keep us away from God. Doubt wants to disturb us. But greater is he who is in me and he who is in you than he who is in the world. And we, who may be timid, who may not be used to fighting or exercising our strength, we need to remember that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God for the demolishing of strongholds. And everything, everything that raises itself up, every pretension, every high thing that seeks to come against the knowledge of God, we are going to bring down in the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is creator of the universe. He is the lover of our souls and the lifter of our heads. He is the one who has chosen you from before the foundation of the world that you might accomplish his divine purposes here upon the earth. You are not here by accident. You are here by God's calling, by God's grace, by his purposes. And he has plans and purposes for you that only you can fulfill because you are special in his sight. And he is calling you into a deeper relationship with him. He is calling you up. He is calling you out. He's calling you out of darkness. He's calling you out of bondage. He's calling you out unto himself that you might be a people set apart for his divine purposes. Father, in the name of Jesus, we humble ourselves before your presence. Heavenly Father, accomplish in us all you desire. Help each one of us to arise in you. Help each one of us to gain strength in you. Let your word have authority in our hearts. Let your word burn in our hearts. Let your word of truth be established in us. Let your word overcome every working of darkness that is arrayed against our souls in the name of Jesus. Cause us, your people, to arise and shine. You have said that we should be a light set on the hill so that all the people can see. And we're asking you, Lord, help us. Help us to arise. 
Everything that hinders, everything that binds, everything that restricts, everything that prevents us, we resist in the name of Jesus. Father, we loosen ourselves from every demonic attachment and everything that would hinder and bind us. And we say in the name of Jesus, set your people free to accomplish your purpose and your will. In this day and in this generation, we ask it for your glory, Lord. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.